and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you'll be inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Noosa Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. So uh, be encouraged, but let's just read this verse on the screen together this morning, Romans 12, 12. Why don't you read it with me? Be, joy, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. You know, when I read that verse, it pretty well just reminds me of me. Do you feel like that? You know, do you feel like it reminds you of me? Because, uh, you, know, you know, I'm very patient in affliction. You know, we, we, uh, we, li- we, we live in our uh, unit over in, in Nooseville at the moment. And uh, when we moved in, our air conditioner wasn't working. And, uh, and, you know, I felt the affliction for, the, for four weeks. And uh, I certainly wasn't patient. And uh, giving up coffee and having no air conditioning at the same time was uh, cutting me out altogether. And being joyful, who's, you know, being joyful, you know what? Life's terrible, but don't worry, Jesus is coming again one day, so I'm joyful. You know, it's difficult, isn't it? Being faithful in prayer, you know, man, no matter what you're walking through, my greatest joy is to wake up in the morning and speak to my Heavenly Father. No, it's, do you know what? It's not me. It's not the me, but it's, it's the me I want to be. And, I, I, you know, I want us to land there. I don't want us to, to um, you know, to beat ourselves up because we're not there. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it's, a, um, it's, a, it's a funny old thing because I believe a happy life, really. You know, if, if you're doing that, I guarantee you, you've, you've got a happy life. But the, the beginnings of a happy life, which I want to talk to you about today, is simply this concept of victory over self. A happy life is victory over self. Hey, it's one of those things where, you know, where, you, where you, you know that the greatest limitation in your life is no longer the enemy, it's yourself. The greatest limitation in your life is not your pastor, it's not your teacher, it's not your husband or your wife or your children or your job. The greatest limitation of your life is, that, that is getting past self. It's getting past those, those challenges in your lives that... Um, that, that hold you back. And, and here's, here's what I want to submit to you this morning, that it begins with your senses. It begins with your five senses. It begins with sight, touch, hearing, taste, and smell. You know, I don't know about you, but there are many things that stir up those senses in me. Hey, you know, about, when, I, you know when I think of things that, that stir me to look at, you know, I, you know I've got these... these I wake up in the morning and, you know, and, and I see my daughter, Sienna, and it reminds me of the beauty of the city, Sienna. No, no she's beautiful as well. But, um, you know, what, some of the things that stir us visually, there's nothing like the sweet lines of, a, you know, you're driving through town and someone drives past in a beautiful Ferrari and you go, that's, that's something to behold. You know, cr- the creation of God is amazing, but the creation of the creation of God, isn't that truly amazing? You know, he's given us the ability not only to appreciate just the natural beauty, but the beauty that we get to create as well. What about touch? You know, in a, in a former life, I was a, I was a panel beater. And, uh, you know, I, I would love, you know, before the gloss goes on a, par- on a car, it's a, it's a matte, smooth finish. There's nothing like, you know, shutting your eyes and putting your hand on the side of the straightest of all straight panels and sliding it along and, and not feeling any ripples. Hey, it's a beautiful thing. I don't know about you, but that really floats my boat. <laughs> what about hearing? 
you know, I, I love Formula One. There's nothing like a 1.8 litre V12 running at 18,000 revs. Is that something that's, that stirs you? I love the, the, the music so loud in the church that I can feel it in my chest. I'm generally the guy that walks up the back and upsets you all and says, can you turn it up a little bit, please? You know, when we, we, we were living in Italy for, for four weeks, I call it living. We were living in Italy for four weeks last year, the year before. And uh, we would get out of bed in the morning. We would go down to, this, to, to near the Pantheon. There's this place called Tazzadoro, which, is, which is, translates cup of gold. And I would go in there and I would order my little espresso cup of gold in the morning. And, uh, you know, my whole world would come alive with the, just all the, all the aromas and tastes all rolled into one of Italy and, and energy and inspiration and architectural, you know, um, magnificence would come upon me and I would feel the spirit of Michelangelo and everything. And just from the taste, hey, you know, our senses drive us, don't they? And what about smell? I don't know about you, can, if you can see a little fog, that's, you know, we've had to fumigate the place because we've had 150 teenagers in here all week. And, uh, you know, I walked into a couple of sessions and I thought, hey, Rach, what have we got that we can pump through the air conditioning here to prepare it for Sunday? And, uh, but it, it, it's something like, there's nothing like smell that can, that can be inviting or excruciating, is there? It's one of those things that, you know, if you're changing a nappy, you know, holy moly, you know. Or you'd be, I can run along the beach and there's a bakery a half a kilometre away. You smell that, don't you? And you go, man, I need to go there. Hey. But uh, you see, senses are 100% driven by environment. All God-given, all extremely helpful in navigating life. Yet if each of them are given too much op- opportunity, they will sink us. If you give your senses uh, control over you, even one of your senses, it will do you in. And uh, you know, God's given us senses to navigate life. He's given us them to, to red flags, things in front of us. He's given us them to enjoy life and to, and to appreciate life and to warn us when things are, you know, when things are out of order. You know, he's given us those things, but if we give in to those things, if they drive us, they will do us in every time. So here's the thing. You know, I discovered once, back in my panel beating days, uh, in spray painting, uh, we, back, we, would, we would always have uh, masks to protect our lungs. And they, they discovered somewhere along the line that two of the most absorb, absorbative, is that the word, absorbative areas of the human body are the fingertips and the eyes. So we weren't protecting our fingers or our eyes. So you'd be mixing paint and it'd get all over your hands or you'd be spraying a car with a mask protecting your lungs but not your eyes. And uh, so, that, so they discovered that you needed to wear gloves and you need to wear goggles as well at the same time. And, and um, here's the thing, you know, senses, they, when they internalise, they internalise as affections, they internalise as fears, they internalise as sentiment. You know, they're just the beginning. And here's here's the statement I want to make about senses this morning. The senses are your most vulnerable points in life as they are the access to your soul. Your senses are the access to your soul. You don't realise how much your senses influence uh, your reason. And uh, I want to to, um, suggest to you this morning that we need to protect these points. We need to protect them from themselves. You need to protect your, your vision from going too far. You know, you know, it was great when I saw Kristen as a young man. You know, I thought, wow, you know. 
how you doing? And, and here's the thing, right? My senses still have the ability to appreciate beautiful ladies all over the world. But reason told me, just land on this one. Just stop there and just engage, engage her for the rest of your life. And reason kept my senses at bay. If I didn't keep my, you know, people who don't keep their sight at bay, you know, what, what we end up with is we end up with one of the greatest um, industries in the world, which is, you know, which is the human trafficking industry predominantly built around the sex trade. And you think when we allow our senses to go to the next level, not only do we corrupt ourselves, we corrupt those who we invite into our own corruption. And uh, I, I want to encourage you this morning that we need to, we need to take our senses and make them obedient to reason. When our senses are obedient to reason, you know, we, we, we begin to have a, an improved life. Hey, when, you know, when you smell that bakery and you're running along the beach and you smell that bakery, you go, man, that is amazing, you know. And then you realise that, you know, when reason says, I need to run 10 kilometres for every donut that I eat from that bakery, reason says, all right, Maybe I'll just enjoy the smell version of it and not the taste version of it. Luke 21, 19 says this, By your patience, possess your souls. You know, we need to possess our souls. I think sometimes our souls get out of hand. We don't, we don't have control of our own or possess our own soul because our senses get out of control. And uh, it's, an, it's an amazing challenge to, 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 to surrender your senses to reason. And reason simply gaining understanding. It's understanding cause and effect. It's, re- it's realising how things work. It's getting a revelation on, on, um, on, on how, how, to, how to behave so that you protect your soul in the meantime. So when our senses obey reason, we see life improve. Reason tells me to put sunscreen on even though the warmth of the sun feels beautiful on my, on my back. Reason gives me the ability to eat less, turn down the music, exercise more, be positive, drive the speed limit. All of the above, doesn't it? Reason actually gives us the ability to, to keep our senses under control and pr- to protect our soul. Now, here's the thing. This is where the predominant world ends. They end at reason. And, uh, you know, they, 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 don't, they don't necessarily take it any further than that. And I want to encourage you this morning that reason is a great master of the senses, but it is not complete. Our reason must in all things obey God. Our reason must in all things obey God. This is one of the great challenges of the modern society because we are driven by information. We're driven by reason. We're driven by intellect. We're driven by by the mind. And God's saying, if you don't surrender your mind to me, if you don't make your mind and your reason obedient to me, you will miss out on the fruit of the gospel in your everyday life. See, there's two aspects of our salvation. There's the there's there's there is securing our, our position as a child of the living God and, and eternal life. And then there's everyday life on earth. See, we can accept Christ as our saviour, but then going on living only according to reason and our life on earth is, is at best according to reason. And sometimes our reason is, is not as, as not as great as we think it is. It's only at the point that, we, that, that, our, that our reason obeys God, do we become conquerors of ourselves? Anyone 
taken some reason in their life and, uh, you know, and have adjusted it slightly to deal with an offence of their past or they've dealt with, you know, some, something, uh, you know, some awkwardness that they've got around their life or some, you know, bit of history that, 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 that they've walked through. You know, we adjust our reason. We adjust, sometimes we can adjust our theology to deal with something that, uh, that we've walked through and that we, we don't want to actually have to go all the way through it. But here's the thing with our Heavenly Father. He's saying, I'm a bit of an access all areas God. When I look at your life, eventually I'm going to touch every area in your life. So the smartest thing you can do is make your life, make your reason, make your soul, make your mind, will and emotions, make them available to God. Make them obedient to God. And obedience to God, you know, that word obedience is, is a bit of a dirty word these days. Hey? We don't like it. Um, you know, we... You know, the majority of the world is, is upset with those in authority. So, we're, you know, our, our lives are almost a protest, almost the reverse of obedience because every authority that we see tends to fail at their, at their job. So we, we go, well, it's in my right to be disobedient. You know, we, we, you know they say in, in, the, in New York City, the turnstiles into the... Uh, into the subway back in the day, you know, someone would watch one person jump over the turnstiles and then everyone would, and, and then everyone would jump over the turnstiles. You know, they call it the broken window effect. Someone would walk down a street and there's no broken windows, they wouldn't even think of the windows. But if you walk down a street and a window gets broken, you go, oh, there's a broken window. And they walk back down another time and the broken window's still there, they go, oh, maybe I'll throw a rock and break a window. And they call it the, the expansion of not dealing with things early and in the moment. And this is the beauty of being obedient to God. When you're obedient to God, when you wake up in the morning, you say, Lord, my life, I make my life and my soul available to you, then he can touch the areas early. And the earlier he touches them, the easier it is to transform or to change through them. Hey, the, you know what it's like. The longer you leave a hurt, the, um, the, the, the bigger it's going to become and it's going to manifest in a way that's really got nothing to do with the hurt. And I heard a rumour this morning that uh, Aidan and Bakara Guerin are pregnant again with another baby. Let's give them a hand. I've heard a rumour there's someone else, but I'm not sure whether I'm allowed to share it yet. So, uh... You know, God, God sending Jesus to die on the cross was not based on reason, was it? You know, it's not something you would do. You know, for me to send... Um, one of our kids off to, to be, to be um, you know, sacrificed so all you guys could be free, and I'm not sure I could do that. Hey. But, you know, it's, a, it's, it's not based on human reasoning. So what we need to understand, that our reason is limited. Your reason is limited. It's limited to your history. It's limited to your education. It's limited to the people that are around you. So you better make sure that it is obedient to the things of God to the will of God, to the hope of God. You know, because your, your, your joy is never going to be in hope if your reason is attached to earth. Because it keeps changing, doesn't it? If your hope is in earth, earth keeps changing. So your joy keeps coming and going and coming and going. Guess what? Jesus is coming again every day, even on Sunday, he's coming again. So if your hope is, if your reason is attached to earth, you know, you're at the mercy of the, of the ups and downs of earth. But if, you're, if your hope is attached to eternal life and to Christ coming again, it's secure and solid every day of the week. You know, most of our initial beliefs are, are, 
are generally a reflection of our own sentiment. You know, you come to church and, and they sing, you know, how great thou art. You know, and, and, you know, for those of us who have been in church for many years, it just stirs us, doesn't it? It's something we go, that song's anointed, you know. I, you know, I, sometimes I wonder whether a song is actually anointed or we actually, um, you know, we, our soul gets liberated because we enjoy something and then we step into a place of worship. Sometimes, you know, God says to the children when they cross the children of Israel, when they cross the Jordan River, make sure you place a stone there, a pile of stones, so that you don't forget this day. So that when your children's children come past, you can explain to them what happened, that I parted the waters and that you walked through on dry ground and, that, you know, and, the, and the goodness that I've shown you these last 40 years. Sometimes, sometimes their senses can be a reminder of worship as much as they can be a reminder of, of pain. You see, we need to understand that they are the gateways to our soul and we are, we are more vulnerable to our senses than we realise. You know, you hear a bad smell, try not screw up your nose when a bad smell comes in your direction. It's involuntary, isn't it? I was having, uh, having a coffee with someone. I wasn't having a coffee with someone. I was having a, a sit-down with someone this week and uh, they were having a coffee. And I was hating them. And, uh, and he was telling me that, you know, he was out for dinner and uh, he, you know, at a friend's house and he put the food in his mouth he, and his first response was, this is obviously healthy. <laughs> it was his, was his uh, response to the person. Um, so, you know, because if it tastes bad, you hope that it's healthy, don't you? you know, <laughs> because there's no other reason to be putting it in your mouth, is there? Let's face it. My, my claim to fame is the revelation that taste only exists until it hits the back of your throat. It's interesting, isn't it? Taste only exists until it hits the back of your throat. You see, when our, our, we, need to, we need to have a reason that says, you know, it, it actually impacts my body once it gets past there, not when it's in my mouth. Hey. And the reality of all of the senses is when, when, our, when our reason gets bigger than the power of the sense or the reaction of the sense, we can, we can move into an improvement. But that's just not enough, is it? We need to get the reality of God in our lives. We need to, we need to, to truly be healthy. We, we just need to make our reason obedient to God's will. Because we need to connect further to God. And to connection to God, here's the next statement, connection to God grows only through an increase in consciousness of God. And consciousness, unfortunately for you, increases through obedience. When we obey God, when we go, you know, gaining a consciousness of God in the shallow end of the pool is near impossible. We gain a consciousness of God when God becomes the sustainer of what we do. If God, if you're not in your life, if you don't need God to sustain you, your awareness of God will not be increasing. And this is, the, this is the, the fact of the thing, isn't it? Is that, is that we need our consciousness of God to grow, but our consciousness of God grows when we step out of our capacity and in, only into his capacity. And that's, a, that's an always an awkward place to be because what if God doesn't turn up? Here's the beauty. God is everywhere. See, what we need is we need to increase our consciousness of God, our awareness of God, not try to find out where God is and go and hang out with him there. God is everywhere, so we just need to make... Guess what? His Holy Spirit lives in you, for starters. So wherever you go, you take him with you. 
So gaining an awareness, Holy Spirit, thank you, you know, that you're, that you're within me. You know, help lead me into all truth. Lead me into what you want me to speak. You know, it, you know, it says in one of the Gospels, talks, I think it's in Luke, it talks about, don't, you don't even worry about preparing what to say. Because you prepare what to say, you're acting out of your brain. Sometimes you don't prepare because you want to act out of his leading. He says, I will give you the words that no one can refute and no one can deny. And they're the words I want to speak. I want to speak to someone about the gospel and they go, okay. And a lot of times we prepare, we try to make the gospel palatable and and we try to make it inviting to people and God's saying, stop over-preparing a message and just start preparing yourself. Don't prepare, you know, you, you you don't need to be able to recite the Romans road to salvation. You need to know me and when you know me, you'll walk according to my way. You know, we need less prepared messages and more prepared lives in our community. It's a challenging space because, you know, we're looking for that line. Someone Christian gets up and drops these, you know, drops these amazing one-liners and you go, oh, man, I need some of those one-liners for my personal evangelism. You know, and we, and we go, no, what we need is the leading of the Holy Spirit. What we need is a greater consciousness of God. What we need to do is be aware of what God is doing and just get on board and wait for the words to come. How do we do that? We prepare ourselves. Obedience to this seemingly unreasonable nature of God is our biggest battle. It's very unreasonable what God asks us to do. He's asked us to, husbands, lay your lives down for your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands. In fact, everyone, just submit to one another. And he says, get into some forgiveness and repentance. He talks about remembering his death not his resurrection. We've got to pray without ceasing. Man, what are these things? He's called bless those who curse you, love your enemy, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who mistreat you. These are unreasonable requests, Lord. Can you give us some reasonable ones? And he's saying, unless your reason obeys my will, you're at the mercy of earth. You're at the mercy of your experience. You're at the mercy of your own sentiment. Oh, I remember the good old days. You know, when I grew up, there was no musicians in church. This is me talking really. There was no musicians in the church. I grew up in a church of Christ. There were no musicians. The whole church sang a cappella. We could all sing in tune, everyone. They say one in 12 people are tone deaf. So, you know, there's 20 people in this room who are tone deaf. Put your hand up if it's the person sitting next to you right now. What God has asked you to do is unreasonable, so you, you, you better make sure that reason is not your number one driver in life. It's a great ruler of senses, but not a great ruler of vision and direction. We need a direction and a vision that is greater than reason, because reason will all, we can always find a reason to not do something. I mean, even Jesus, he's praying, Lord, please take this cup from me. Hey, this is too much to ask of a person. This is too much to ask of one man. His reason, Jesus' reason was, Lord, man, I, I really need to get out of here. But he said, no, no, I'm going to now submit my reason to your will. So when we wake up every day, we, we want to go, um, what are you up to today, Lord? Here's the thing with obedience. Obedience is the tiresome and even humbling effect effort to carry within us 
the centre of the horizon. You know, when you look at life, I always say life's, you, you, if you wake up in the morning and you, if you run to, the, to Hell's Gate at noon, so you see the horizon over the ocean. And, and sometimes there's a lot of things happening on the horizon. But what, what obedience does is it centres us in the horizon. It centres us on God, centres us on His will. And when we centre on His will, then we can head in a clear direction. You know, the Israelites could have crossed the the. the, the the wilderness, they say, in 11 days, they tell me, or a few weeks. But it took them 40 years and a generation dying in the process to get from one side to the other. Why? Because they lost their centre. They kept losing, They kept looking at themselves. They kept looking at their past. They looked at their affections, their needs, their senses. They kept looking at their sentiment for, for yesterday and not, re- not aligning themselves. They didn't take reason. Reason says it was better being a slave than it was being in the desert. And God was saying, that's great, but I've got something greater and reason is not going to get you there. Here's the battle that you have in life. Here's the battle with your reason. The future that God has for you is something that you've never experienced, never seen before, you cannot imagine and you cannot hope for. So you better attach your reason to his will, otherwise you'll miss out on the grandest of all adventures in life. You cannot imagine the future that God has for you. He says in Ephesians 4, doesn't he? He says, exceedingly, abundantly, above anything we could ever ask for or hope for or imagine, whatever the words. You know, you, he, 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 he needs you to, to open yourself up, open your reason up to him so that you're walking according to his will so he can take you into the greatest life you could ever imagine beyond your imagination. Here's the thing with obedience though. At some point, obedience shifts and becomes instinct. Isn't it great when obedience becomes instinct? Isn't it great when you don't have an alarm on your phone to pray or you, or you don't need a text message to remind you to pray for something? It's your instinct to pray for something. Don't you love it when you, you, know, you smell the baker and you don't actually have to go through the process um, of going, oh, yeah, now I've got to count the calories of that and, you know, do the run. And, okay, no, I won't have it. No, you just keep running. You go, oh, yeah, that smells good. Boom, and off you go. Now, when you choose to make your reason obedient to God's will and it becomes instinct in your life, you're going to walk in freedom. You know, at this point, I'm no longer searching for freedom or truth. I hold truth and I hold freedom. I love it. When, when you know... We're in, they call religion really is a, is the, is a word that talks, is, is about a search for God. Guess what? We've found him. We're no longer on a search for God. We're on a journey with God. We're not, actually, we're not actually looking for him anymore. We're saying, Lord, what are we up to today? It's a, different, it's a different mindset altogether. You know, I'm no longer searching for freedom. I'm distributing freedom. And here's what happens in the horizon. You know, you look into the future and you go, man, I don't, I don't even know where I'm going. What's happening? I, don't, I look out there. I don't see too much hope in the world. There's all these things happening that disrupt me. And God's saying, if you'll fix your eyes on me, if you will be obedient to my will, the horizon will reveal the secrets, reveal the opportunities, reveal the plan, reveal the strategies, reveal the direction. And if you will just be obedient to my will, if you will just take your reason and you'll surrender it to my will, you will do great things with me and you will see them in front of you. You'll see those opportunities. You'll see those people. You'll see that person who's hungry. You know, when you go out and you're going to talk to someone about God, you know, you're, you're, 
you don't just want to go out there blind. You want to see the hunger in someone. You want to see the need in someone. You want to go straight to the right person and see your life change. When our senses obey reason and our reason obeys God, that's when we begin to see substance and not appearance. We need to be a people of substance, not appearance. If I don't want to have the appearance of godliness, I want to have the substance of God living in me. I don't want to have the appearance of, of, of goodness around my life. I want to have the goodness of God pouring through my life. You are a people of substance, God says. And as you obey Him, as you surrender to Him, that substance will become a reality. The substance is in you. The substance of the Holy Spirit is in you. And he wants to, the Bible says he wants to pour it out of you like a river of living water. And, it, and that happens when we become obedient to him. When we say, Lord, I don't, you know, I don't understand creation. You know, I don't know, it seems a little bit poetic to me. I, I, you know, revolution seems a lot more reasonable. I, I don't understand, you know, all these miracles, how they happen. You know, I don't understand all of these different things. My reason says some of the things I don't understand, speaking in tongues, I don't understand people falling over, I don't understand all of this stuff that I see in, in, in my life or read in the Word. And God's going, that's okay. I didn't call you to understand. I called you to obey me. So live a life of reason. Live a life of reason. Make your senses obedient to your reason, but make your, make your reason obedient to God. And you don't have to have all the answers. You can say, Lord, I don't get it, but I'm putting my trust in you. I don't understand this, but I'm putting my trust in you. And here's the thing. Then we become these amazing people who are joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer then we can look at our lives and go, wow, that's us. We shift, don't we? The horizon changes. The horizon reveals its secrets. The, the, the kingdom of God becomes visible. You know, part of our 21 days of prayer, you know, is seeking God. And this is a scripture I want to leave you with this morning. You know, we want to declare our dependence on God in every area of our lives. That's what we've said. And here's the scripture, First Chronicles 16, 11. Seek the Lord and his strength and seek his face forevermore. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face forevermore. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face forevermore. I love that verse because there's, there's, no, there's no promise attached to it. There's no, what am I going to get out of it? There's no, if you do this, something else will happen. It's just simply, trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Seek me. Follow me. Come to me. Sometimes we're always looking for what the win is for our lives. And I want us this morning just to trust God. Just to trust Him and to seek Him and to follow Him and say, Lord... Your will be done. The rest is up to you. I just want to be in your will. I know your will is the greatest place to be. I know your adventure is the greatest adventure. This is the number one selling autobiography of all time. The number one selling, the number one sold of all time and will be for all of time. So you know it's the grandest of all adventures. 
So be a part of the church. Seek God. Seek God. Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek Him forevermore. Father, this morning we just want to humble ourselves before Your throne of grace. We want to seek You afresh, Lord. Lord, we thank You that You have given us, you know, if you've given us bodies and souls and spirits, Lord, and we take our, the senses this morning, we take our affections and our sentiment, Lord, and, and, and we take all these, these things, and Lord, we ask that you, would, that you would give us wisdom, Lord, to, to, keep them at, to keep them at bay and to protect them and to be able to use them, Lord, to, to what you've caught, you've, you created them for. But this morning, most of all, we want to surrender our reason to your will. Lord, we don't want to have obedience as a dirty word in our lives anymore. We want it to be the flagship of our lives. We are obedient servants of the King of all kings. We want to obey your will. We want to walk in your will. We want to walk in your grace. And we want to be conduits of your hope. So we ask you this morning as we step into worship once again, we, we ask you that your, that your hope become visible in us as we make ourselves obedient to your will. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.